Okay, look, before we get into our main topics today, our main topics today, I wanted to start with one little thing off the top. And that one little thing off the top is this. You know, WandaVision season uh, season one, episode five came out last night. Now, look, we're no. not going to talk about it. I know, everybody forgets. Nobody remembered. Nobody remembered that WandaVision's new episode came out. Now, we are not going to talk about episode five on this uh, particular show right now. Uh, at least we're not going to go into any real details other than say that we thought it was great. You know, we thought it was great. If you are interested in hearing me and Anne go in depth and into a big spoiler discussion about WandaVision episode five today at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Anne and I will be doing our weekly WandaVision open spoiler discussion. This one will be for episode five. That again is going to be at 4 p.m. today. Uh, you can go over and join us there and we'll go into all the details about everything that happened in it. And uh, we'll talk about all that stuff then and there. But Rob, before we get into our main topics today, I wanted to throw out a new theory. A new theory. Now, this will be a little bit of a spoiler to you if you haven't seen episode four. I promise you nothing I'm about to say spoils anything in episode five, okay? But it might be a little bit of a spoiler to you if you haven't seen episode four. So be advised. You know, Rob, there's been this uh, uh, this thing about what's going on in the whole world. I wanted to throw this theory by you. And I did, for full transparency, I did tell, every, I did tell uh, Rob this little theory just before we started, but I want to tell you guys. So you here's my theory right now. And by the way, before I even tell you, I'm going to let you know, I'm not even, I'm not sure that I even believe it. Let's just be clear. I, I'm, I'm not even saying I think this theory is believable, but it's something to think about. What if the show isn't just happening inside that energy field? What if the show is the whole world? What if the show is also happening outside of the energy field? And that's just a part of the show. All the stuff with Sword, Darcy, Wu, Monica, it's all part of the show. It's just a different part of the show. And they just don't, the world just doesn't realize it yet. They just don't realize they're a part of the show. And the main thing that's based on is I've still been wrestling with that part in episode four, Rob, where Monica and Jimmy meet and they're outside of the energy field. They're talking to the cops who say, there's no such thing as Westview. And Jimmy's talking about all these people who supposedly know the witness protection person who assumedly live all around the country and none of them even remember the guy. And Monica and Jimmy say to each other, well, then why isn't it affecting us? Why isn't it affecting everybody? And the a theory would be that what Wanda is actually affecting isn't just in the dome. That's just part of it. It's actually everything. And everybody is a puppet right now. And again, I'm not saying even I believe that, but it's something to consider. Rob, I just tossed that theory at you just before we started the show. I, and I'm, I haven't given a lot of thought. I'm sure there's a lot of holes in the theory, but what do you see as maybe some of the things that support that theory? What do you think are maybe some of the holes in the theory that I just haven't thought about yet? Well, I mean, I, I when you hit, I have really haven't contemplated it that long because you just laid this on me before we went on the air. But I think that that the actual um, uh, examination of what's going on outside in the domes, because the fact that there's tell the thing that tells me the most is that there's television signals being broadcast, right? Like, why would that be happening? And, and the fact it isn't, it's all part of the reality. It's all part of the fact that Wanda wanted it's this whole thing is a cry for help. It's her cry for help. And, and you can't have a cry for help if there's nobody there to, to listen. And I think that's what 
part of this is her whole mind and she is a good person trying to make make she needs people to rescue her and so part of all of what's going on is all of this that's why why well, I can't say why I think but I think yeah, let's not say why <laughs> I think it could be all part of the same thing well, that's uh, that's just kind of a random theory. Again, maybe by this afternoon, I won't even believe the theory. Actually, I'm not even sure I believe it now, but it's something to think about there. It, it does address several still very big unanswered questions, and uh, we'll have to look into that. By the way, Adam Muhammad sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you for that, Emmett. Uh, uh, I appreciate that, man. Okay. With that down, guys, let's get into our main topics today here, shall we? And how do we select our main topics here in the John Campion Show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with them. Whenever you come across a big issue, topic, or story that you think we should have as a main issue here on the John Campion Show, just head on over anytime 24-7 to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's totally free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia show. With that down, let's get into main topic number one, shall we? And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Diego Maguino, who writes, Hey, John and Rob. After the successful The Invisible Man, I loved that movie, uh, I was really curious about what would be Universal's next move regarding their monster films. Now we have an answer. Nomadland filmmaker Chloe Zhao has signed on with Universal to direct a Dracula movie. Is this the right move for her? What are your thoughts? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yes, Chloe Zhao, who not only directed Nomadland, which is getting a lot of awards buzz right now, Rob, a lot of people talking about film of the year, all that kind of stuff. Fantastic outing for her. But not to mention that, Rob, she's the director also of the upcoming Eternals movie for Marvel. So she's got this artistic awards kind of film. She's got this big uh, uh, blockbuster Marvel film coming out. She's got a lot of things going on. And now she's been given the option, the opportunity to go on over and do Dracula. This is what comes to us from the good folks over at the Hollywood Reporter who write, this new Dracula project, however, will be a far cry from the more traditional uh, or even modern incarnations made over the years. Details are being kept in the coffin. <laughs> well said, Hollywood Reporter. Details are being kept in the coffin, but Zhao's version is described as an original, futuristic, sci-fi, western uh, themes of being uh, on society's fringes, something Zhao has tackled in her previous work, uh, will course through the project's veins. Chloe's singular lens shines a light on the stories of the overlooked and misunderstood, said Universal Pictures president P Peter Kramer. We are thrilled to be working with her as she reimagines one of the most iconic outsider characters ever created. And that, of course, comes to us from the folks at The Hollywood Reporter. If you want to talk about a director... Being on, a, there's a phrase used sometimes around called a meteoric rise, Rob, a meteoric rise. If you want to talk about a director who has come from relative obscurity, how many people have heard the name Chloe Zhao prior to Nomadland, prior to being attached to, to direct a major Marvel film in Eternals? Hardly anybody, hardly anybody. And now 
She's got a film that's going to be a serious contender for Oscars, Golden Globes, Producers Guild, Directors Guild, all that kind of stuff. Then she's got this huge, massive Marvel film coming that's got Angelina Jolie starring in it. And now she's made the decision that her next project is going to be a Dracula thing as a sci-fi futuristic Western. So I don't know. Is it going to be like Mandalorian? I don't know. Maybe maybe this thing's going to be Mandalorian. Who knows? But I think this is really interesting. And one of the things that I really like about the move is that it shows that she is not getting bogged down. You can't just fit you know, her into one kind of peg. Like she's not going to get bogged down in any one particular style right out of the gate. She's coming out. She's doing artistic films, big blockbusters, now going to do like tackle classic monster movie. I love it. I love it. And Universal, you know, coming off, I've been waiting to see what they would do, Rob, to properly follow up on Invisible Man because I thought Invisible Man was fantastic. And so to get a, a Chloe Zhao attached like that, that's great for her. I think it's great for Universal. I just think this news is good all the way around. By the way, Richie Scott and Alex Keeley both send in super chat badges in the live chat. Thanks for that, guys. Rob, I just see this as being nothing but good news. Rob, you heard about this. What do you make of it? I, I think, first of all, uh, the whatever their new take is on Dracula, I'm here for it. A sci-fi Western film about undead vampire. I, I don't know what gunslinging. I don't know what I'm here, but I'll tell you something. It certainly speaks to Kevin Feige's foresight to have hired Chloe Zhao to direct Eternals. And now she's in the talk for in talks for maybe being the second woman to win the best female director award at the Academy Awards. Yep. I mean, and after watching WandaVision, once again, uh, I've been saying it for years, but Kevin Feige, our Lord and Savior, I think of all the people in Hollywood, I said this on a live stream yesterday, William Goldman, the great screenwriter who wrote The Princess Bride, once said, no one in Hollywood knows anything. I want to amend that. No one in Hollywood knows anything except Kevin Feige, <laughs> who knows everything, everything. <laughs> All right, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this announcement? Again, I think this is great for Universal. I think it's great for Chloe Zhao. Uh, she's already cutting her teeth. She's doing all sorts of, she's diversifying, doing all this kind of stuff. I think this is great. What do you guys think? Jump down into the comment section below and let me know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number two, shall we? And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Nick, who writes, Season two of The Mandalorian had huge moments that were spoiled for a lot of people that can't stay up until 2 a.m. Central Standard Time to watch it. I had Luke ruined by someone posting a picture of him on Instagram at 8 a.m. Friday without a spoiler warning at all. So my question is, do you think Disney should do like HBO and release shows around 7 or 8 p.m. so most people can watch it before the rampant spoilers pop up? I feel uh, like with the weekly schedule and popularity of these shows, the problem won't go away on its own. All right, man. Thanks a lot for sending that out. And listen, I'll tell you what. I think you're absolutely right. I think you are 100% right. Now, look, when I look back to when Game of Thrones used to be uh, on TV, Rob, I remember that was a big thing. You know, Game of Thrones is going to debut in Los Angeles, at least. I think it was 6 p.m. or something like that. I can't yep. I can't remember the exact time. It was something like around 6 p.m. And I remember 
Like we could get together, me and Ann and our buddy Soul and our friend Kaori could all come over and we could sit down and we all knew when it was going to be on and we could all watch it. And, and most of the country got to watch it together at the same time. When Mandalorian started dropping, I'm, I'm sure on the East Coast, it was 3 a.m. For us in Los Angeles, it was a little bit more manageable. It was midnight for us here. And, and I'm sure it was a good time for other people around the world. But in the North American market, it meant that you either had to make the choice to risk having everything spoiled because eight hours were going to pass when other people could be watching it, or you had to stay up really late, which, Rob, is what Ann and I did every week. We stayed up very late, <laughs> very, very late. Uh, we stayed up and and would watch Mandalorian, and now we're staying up very late to watch WandaVision. And, and that's fine, but it's harder for other people because, again, as you start to move towards the East Coast, you're getting to 2 a.m., 3 a.m. for a lot of people, right? And that's just not that's just not manageable. That's just not manageable for a lot of people. And I never really thought about it until you did start thinking about the way HBO does it and the way they did it with Game of Thrones. And it made it like the, the country stopped at 6 p.m., 7 p.m., 8 p.m., whatever time it was, the whole country stopped together and watched Game of Thrones. And I think they could have that same sort of phenomenon here because when you're talking about Disney Plus stuff and you're talking about Mandalorian and you're talking about uh, WandaVision and soon we'll get into Falcon and Winter Soldier and all that, you're talking about things that have really big spoilers, much like uh, Game of Thrones would have. Now, look, I will say this. I believe with television... It's your responsibility to kind of avoid social media if you're going to be like a few hours behind on watching a show. But I still think it would benefit Disney Plus to create that worldwide moment that everybody gets together and watches at the same time, or at least North America. I think it would benefit viewers because a lot of us would then be watching the show at the same time. I just think it would be very beneficial. And I honestly, Rob, I don't see the drawback. If, I'm, if you're, you're Disney, I don't see the drawback of saying instead of dropping it in the middle of the night, we're going to drop it at a regular traditional television watching time. I just think it would benefit them. I think it would benefit the viewers. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at this in a too simplistic of a way. Rob, you read the uh, question that our viewer sent in. What would your response to that be? Well, you know, it's a tough... <laughs> it, 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 there's There's been an issue with things around the world, like for instance, movies didn't even used to be released day and date around the world. Sometimes countries would have to wait months yes. to get movies. And now we live in a world where we're, we're talking time zones, hours difference between when people get to watch things. And I would just say this, you know, um, if you turn off your TV and your computer and don't look at your phone, how are you going to know what? No one's going to. Uh, you you now we live in a world where it's a choice. You make a choice to get something spoiled for you because you look at various places that will will spoil it for you. And I'm like, you know what? Just turn off your phone and turn off your computer until you can watch whatever it is you want to watch. If there's if there's time to have it spoiled. And I, I think it's it's a choice that every person makes, John. And but, you just have to choose to not do it. But I mean, again, I, I bring up the point, what is the drawback for Disney? Like for Disney to put it up at an hour that, you know, a lot of people can watch it together at the same time. 
What's the drawback of doing that as opposed to there is a lot of benefit to it? Because uh, I agree with you with what you're saying. Yeah, like when it comes to television, if you don't want to be spoiled on something like if there's a, a big NFC championship game going on in the NFL and I can't sit down to watch it because I'm busy, well, then it's on me to avoid social media until I can sit down and get, you know, get in front of the recording of it and watch it. I get that. But I mean, is there a drawback for Disney to say, hey, look, instead of 2 a.m. in the morning, we're going to play it at 7 p.m., 10 p.m. Eastern or something like that. I well, don't know. Do you I see mean, drawbacks? No, I, I don't see a drawback to that. And I think I think it's strange that they're making the launch time. I thought HBO did have it right. You know, like you pointed out, um, if you're going to release something at 9 o'clock on the East Coast, I, I mean, you're, you, you release it at 6 o'clock, what difference does it make? Like, why does it have to be? You know, I, I got to tell you something. Amazon, uh, like The Expanse, just ended. Yes. But like the expanse would start on Wednesday, but it was available Tuesday at like 7 uh, p.m. So I'd be like, "Ooh, I wonder if the expanse is is available this early. And it always was, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and I never understood, like, are they launching this at six? Was it nine Eastern time? And so it was manageable. You could watch it. But I do think it's sort of strange uh, that, that they do wait. By the way, can I just say I couldn't get on to Disney Plus at midnight. You're not alone. I, you're, I've heard, I, I was. It, I had no problem, but I've heard a number of people had that issue. It took me 45 minutes before it said media, didn't say media unavailable. So people had had, I was not part of the first wave of WandaVision episode five. I had to wait till that initial first wave was done watching before they let me in. I mean, I felt like there was some electronic velvet rope and I was being denied my VIP status because <laughs> I couldn't watch, John. But Rob, that but brings no, up, I, that brings up a good uh, point. Um, th- th- somebody in the chat board was saying this and, 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 and I think that brings up a good point. Somebody in the chat board was saying maybe them dropping in at midnight, 3 a.m. New York time is because everybody would tune in at 7 p.m. on the nose and maybe their servers couldn't handle it, which I mean... Your Disney it last night at midnight. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. So the, you say that that brings up that point, right? That maybe it's an issue of we don't want everybody watching it the second that it drops because it crashes our service, which to me is like your Disney boost up your servers, pay for it. But I mean, that could be the fact that you had those problems could be a case. Did you I'm just curious, though, did you hang in there after midnight waiting until you could log in and watch it? Hell yeah. yeah of I mean, course you I, did. I, I, I could, uh, first of all, it was really hard to even log into the Disney plus app. And once I got in there, it, I was in there at like 11. I tried to get, I tried to click over to WandaVision about 10 to 12, 10 to midnight and like the Charles Bronson movie, but I couldn't it, every time I tried to click into WandaVision. Once I got into the app, it said unavailable. It was an error message. And then when it became 12 and the, the main, uh, header shifted over to WandaVision. I couldn't get in that way. I tried getting in and it just kept kicked me out. And it wasn't until 45 minutes until 1245 that I was able to get in and we watched the episode. All right, guys, question for you is what do you think about that theory that our viewer wrote in that maybe like, Hey, you know, HBO did it and it really worked very, very well for them. Why doesn't Disney do it? Maybe it is a survey issue. Maybe there's some other things. Can you think of other reasons why they might do it this way? Love to hear your thoughts. Jump down into the comments section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys. 
Before we get into our next uh, regular main topic that we have lined up, there is a, a breaking story here that uh, we should jump in on and at least address. One of the truly great, all-time greats, uh, Christopher Plummer, has passed away. A uh, good Canadian kid, first and foremost. Uh, but Christopher Plummer has passed away. I have not had time to uh, read the story. I have not had time to go in and read what this has uh, been a part of. But Christopher Plummer is, I mean, this is just a dude who would pop up in everything and anything and always deliver, just absolutely deliver. And of course, I think the last major thing I saw him in, Rob, was uh, was uh, Knives Out. Knives Out, I think, was the last thing that I watched him in. And of course, he was incredible in Knives Out. I, I really enjoyed him in that. I love him in just about everything he's ever been in. And a good, a good, again, a good Canadian kid. And right now, like I said, I'm not taking the time right now to read through the article to find out what the causes were or anything like that. And uh, it's really not important at this point. But we have lost truly one of the great legends. Rob, it was uh, one of the highlights of my career was being able uh, to go to New York. I had an opportunity to go down to New York and actually sit down and interview Christopher Plummer one-on-one uh, -on -one, one time. And we, we talked about our favorite spots in Montreal and we talked about uh, just uh, you know his career and, and things like that. It, it truly was one of the absolute highlights of my career personally yeah. was getting to sit down and chat with him. Um, just a tragic, tragic loss. Like you would always say, Rob, definitely a life well lived. But uh, you're just hearing about this, Rob. What are your thoughts on the passing of Christopher Plummer? Dude, I was a huge Christopher Plummer fan. And, of course, he was a contemporary of William Shatner's. You know, they, they were in acting school together at Stratford, both good Canadian kids. And uh, I, it's a tremendous loss. And, and I... You know, I, I just I, I just tweeted. I said, it's too bad they can't hire Christopher Plummer to replace Christopher Plummer in his own death scene so we could get more work from Christopher Plummer. But um, <laughs> he uh, he is he was one of the greats. And, you know, of course, his turn as General Chang in Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country. Was, Cry havoc was, and let loose I the mean, dogs of you war. Know, if anyone had to rival Ricardo Montalban as Khan and and his. The, hey, you are uh, we're, I'm as constant as the morning star. You know, it's it's favorite he, line, favorite line. You can't appreciate Shakespeare until you've heard it in the original Klingon. The we don't hear the, the times at midnight. Uh, well, and, and the way it was when he says the way it was meant to be to Kirk warrior to warrior. I mean, it's just he's so good. And yes. you know what? I have a General Chang action figure. Really? I, I didn't even know those figure. existed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, why should I not be surprised? I should probably not be surprised at all. Um. Anyway, guys. Uh. Yeah. The passing of Christopher Plummer. Uh. I. I mean. I wish. Uh. This was something that uh, we were able to prepare for a bit. But I mean, that we could go on about like really what a career this guy has had. The hills are alive with the sounds of a Canadian singing music. Uh. It's. It's just a. Uh, it's a tragic, tragic loss. Anyway, guys, jump down into the comment section. Leave your favorite uh, Chris Plum memory or role or movie or whatever and, and leave your thoughts down there. Okay, guys. With that down, uh, let's move into our third main topic today, shall we? And our third main topic today gets submitted to us by David Greggs. And David Greggs writes, Hello, John and Rob. 
We all know that Tom Holland has traditionally been a bit of a blabbermouth when it comes to revealing too much about Marvel movies. Yes, he has. But I just read a story that he is now claiming he actually doesn't know if Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire are in Spider-Man 3 or not. Do you think Marvel is being hyper-cautious with Holland and not letting him know? Or do you think he's lying about knowing? Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in, man. And yes, traditionally, it is the kind of a running joke, especially around MCU fan circles, that Tom Holland... He runs his mouth a little bit, Rob. He's been known to run his mouth a bit. No. Saying some things he probably shouldn't say now and again. We've seen him doing interviews with co-stars in Marvel movies where he says something and the co-star looks at him like, like, what are you doing, kid? Right? So this been a bit of a joke. So this is coming up right now because Tom Holland was just recently asked specifically and directly about, you know, what, you know, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire in there. Like, everybody's talking about this, blah, 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 blah. And this is what, This is what he had to say. He said, beats me. I don't know. If they are, they haven't told me. That would be something that Marvel would do. I watched the film and be like, so that's who the tennis ball was. Now, let's just read that again. It beats me. I don't know. If they are, they haven't told me yet. Uh, That would be something that Marvel would do. I watched the film and be like, so that's who that tennis ball was. Now, just what the hell is he talking about a tennis ball? Just so you're aware. On a lot of these movies, when you're going to have a lot of CGI, what they'll often do is they'll have like things with tennis balls on them that act as markers for the visual effects later on. For example, I was on set of the first Transformers movie during the big battle scene in the streets between the Autobots and Decepticons, and I was there when they filmed that. And they had a whole bunch of crew as they had all these extras running up and down the street screaming, ah! And, and cars overturning and all that kind of stuff. They had a bunch of these guys running up and down the street with these 20-foot poles with tennis balls on them running around. And so it can be that. Sometimes they call the, the tennis balls a ping pong ball types things that uh, CGI actors will wear, huh, things right. like that. But that when, when you hear him say, that's who was in the tennis balls, that's probably what he's referring to. Rob, there's a couple of possibilities here. There's a couple of possibilities. Number one, first pro- possibility here is Tom Holland has learned to shut his mouth and not leak spoilers. And he's just he's just lying and saying, I don't know. And just literally saying, I don't know when really he does. I mean, that's I think that's probably the most likely situation here. He does know if Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire in this. I personally think they are. Although it has to be mentioned that it has not in any way, shape or form been confirmed by anything official that they are. But I think they are. And I think Toby, I think Tom Holland knows if they are or not. And he's just saying, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. However, to play devil's advocate, specifically look at something he says here. He says, beats me, I don't know if they are. They haven't told me yet. That would be something that Marvel would do. I watched the film and be like, so that's who the tennis balls were. There is a possibility here, Rob. I would, I would contend that there is a possibility here because you know that I believe Maguire and Garfield are going to be in it, but I also believe their roles are going to be small. I don't believe they're going to be in like 20 minutes of screen time. I I think their roles are going to be relatively small. So I believe there is a possibility here that instead of Tom Holland being the one who learned his lesson, it may have been Marvel that learned their lesson. Don't tell this kid anything or don't tell this kid things that we don't want to have done. And, And if, if, 
Maguire, Maguire and Garfield, all relatively small things, it is very possible they could have done it without him knowing. Again, I think the first option is the most likely. I think he does know and he's just playing coy. He's learning the business a little bit better. But you can't ignore the, the fact that it is what he said. And there is a possibility because it does sound like something Disney would do. Mark Ruffalo has talked about times that there were things in the movies he was in with MCU where he didn't know what it was going to be. So maybe there's something to that. Again, I think it's more likely that he knows and he's just not saying. Anyway, Rob, you read these comments from Tom Holland. What do you think? I think he's learned his lesson, but he probably said, listen, you know I'm a chatterbox. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I can't help myself. Tell me, Give me something to say. You know, give me my lines. So they gave him his lines. And and I think he's he's giving he's 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 had this part written for him, like all great actors, and he's um he's saying it back to the world. And it's just that's and when where are you at right now on Garfield and McGuire? Do you do you think at this point they are? Do you still gotta see some more evidence? I don't know. What are you thinking right now? Uh <laughs> well the way things are going, if uh if God himself showed up in a Marvel Cinematic Universe production, <laughs> I would not be surprised. I mean, it, it, it is it is just uh, I think that that we now I think we now live in a world where the MCU has established itself as just being where where can anybody have more fun than the MCU? It's it's mm. for audiences, for actors. I mean, you know, Matt Damon shows up in a cameo at the beginning of Thor Ragnarok. Who saw that coming? <laughs> and, Sam Neill, and Sam Neill. And, and Sam Neill. Who who knows? And 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 it's just that we live in a world where that can happen. And if people like Matt Damon are willing to show up for a wacky a wacky comedic bit in a Thor film, uh, I wouldn't put it, it when you're dealing with a ripped open reality and a multiverse, and especially after people get to see the Spider-Man, you know, a uh, multiverse animated film that wins an Oscar. Why wouldn't you? What else is Tobey Maguire doing? If someone calls him up and says, yo, bro, can you come down here for a couple of days? We'll bring you out to Atlanta, have some good food, meet some good peeps, and we'll pay you to don the Spider-Man outfit again. What's he going to say? No? <laughs> I suppose. Question is, guys, what do you think about this? I, I, I personally think there are two options here. Number one, that he's being facetious. He does know, and he just does. He's learned his lesson. Number two, he might be telling the truth. Maybe I guess I, I lean towards one. Maybe there's a third option that I'm not considering. What do you guys think about that? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. Uh, special thanks to Tovio Hill who sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you for that, Tovio. Appreciate that, man. All right, guys, listen, with all that now down and out of the way, we're going to move on and start taking your live comments and questions. Once again, if you want to fire in a comment or question, use the tip link that's in the description of this video, or you can enter it in manually at streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. All right, guys, dig in. Let's get into it right now, shall we? And we're going to start things off here with Wyatt Bender, who writes, just a theory. But at the end of WandaVision, Ron, Robin Williams comes back and talks to Wanda and does his iconic line from Goodwill Hunting, it's not your fault. Instantaneous tearjerker moment. Listen, that's the scene, Rob. That's the scene, the it's not your fault scene. That's the scene that won Robin Williams' Academy Award. I mean, he's great in the whole movie, but oh my God, that scene when he's sitting with Matt Damon and he just keeps saying, it's not your fault. Matt Damon's like, yeah, I know. It's not your fault. 
I know. It's not your fault. I know. And, and oh my, the, the builds and I'm getting, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about that scene. That scene is amazing. If they, I don't know, maybe Professor Charles Xavier shows up and has that moment with Wanda. It's not your <laughs> fault, Wanda. That vision died. It's not your fault that Pietro died. It's not your fault what happened. Well, no, that part was her fault, I suppose. But for everything else, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Anyway, that's a great scene. All right. Anyway, uh, let's go. Next up, Messi's the Goat Rights. Have you ever watched or heard uh, about the show Fringe? I loved Fringe. I thought Fringe was great. Uh, It's my favorite show of all time, and I don't think it gets the credit it deserves. Also, John Noble as Walter Bishop is some of the best acting you will ever see. I couldn't recommend it more highly. First of all, I love John Noble. Uh, John Noble is just great. And of course, he is the steward of Gondor. Uh, Sing for me, Master Hobbit. Uh, I I loved him in that. He's great in just about everything he's in. Love that dude. The show's great. What was the name of the lead star, the girl? I keep forgetting the name of the girl. But she went on to then be the star, the female Uh, um, lead um, in Mindhunters. Yeah. uh, um, Oh, God. Her name is uh, Anna Torv. Anna Torf. She yeah. was so one of the big reasons I'm so bummed out that Mindhunters isn't coming back. Uh, she was so good in that. No, it was a really so good. good kind. It was an it was a show in the model of X Files in many ways, but it was great. What did you think about uh, Fringe? You know, I liked Fringe, but I it, it sort of was one of those shows where the premise kind of changed every season. I That's liked true. it though. I liked it. I mean, I thought it was great. The acting was was good. Uh, 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 but again, you know, it was one of those sort of shows where they had to figure it out as they were going along. And I wish that there was more foresight, but it was still quite interesting. Very compelling. All right. Next up, we've got better than Manifest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, better than Manifest, your favorite show to hate watch. Uh, Nikita Mohanan writes, Hey, John, sent those stickers to ask you this, but it didn't work. Just wondering, why don't you do or try live reactions to WandaVision or other shows and movies you're into like YouTubers uh, on your channel or Patreon? Uh, do you uh, do group watch parties? Well, I don't, I'm, I am not a fan of live reactions. Now, let me, let me specify that. I'm not a fan of me doing live reactions. Uh, I have no problem, and I even enjoy uh, other people doing live reactions, but I am not a reactor. I don't do trailer reactions. I don't do the live be- because of a couple of things. And again, this is a commentary on me. This is not me making a commentary on anybody else and what they do, not in the least. This is a commentary on me, all right? I just feel like when I try, and I've tried to do trailer reactions in the past, but it just felt so unnatural to me. It just felt so unnatural and it, it just made me feel a little bit uncomfortable too. And besides, I don't watch these things alone. So like when I have other people over, I mean, they may not be comfortable being on camera in front of thousands of other people watching everything they say and do, and then all of a sudden have to feel guarded and all that kind of stuff. That's not fair to them, to, to people I watch these shows with. Um, I have done it for the Oscars. The Oscars is different. The Oscars is a little bit different because it's, it's, it's an event you're watching. That's one thing. But, um, now I have done watch long parties for movies I've already seen. Those are fun. We've done watch long party, not too awful long ago for like Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And we did a watch long party for infinity war. And yeah, I, I actually look forward to doing more watch long parties for movies. We've all already seen and just want to watch them again, experience them again. But uh, yeah, it's it's again, it's the same reason why I don't do trailer reactions, even though I love a lot of trailer reactors. It's just not for me. 
I, I just feel fake. And I feel like I have to be guarded and watch this. And I don't want to do that. Like when I'm sitting at home in my living room with my wife and I'm relaxing and I've got a, a beverage and some snacks, I don't want to have to constantly be aware that I'm on camera in front of thousands of other people. I just want to sit down and enjoy the movie or I just want to sit down and enjoy the show. And then I'll talk about it a little bit later. And when I'm aware I'm on camera, I don't know. I just don't want to... Uh, I'm just so aware of the potential of becoming fake. Again, that's not a comment on anybody else. It's a comment on me. And so that's why I don't do the live reaction stuff. Rob, I I, I mean, I, I look at your YouTube channel quite often. You don't really do the live reaction stuff either yourself, do you? No. You know, I leave that for other people. I think my wheelhouse is more, um, more op-ed commentary about things, but not necessarily commenting on stuff until after the fact. You know, I, I, it's just not my thing. Not that I don't look, I'll admit, dude, I watch other people react. I watch other YouTubers. So do I ask me how much I like the real rejects and how much I like struggle nation and and guys like that too, but it's just, it's just not me. That's all. Yeah. It's, it's not. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. (laughs) Casual seven in the live chats, put a really neat comment says Rob's observe. He does not react. That's it. There you go. It's a, that's a nice one there. All right. Uh, thanks for asking Nikita. I appreciate that. And yes, we will do more. Uh, we will do more, uh, live watch parties, uh, moving forward. We will for movies that we already know and watch. All right. An anonymous viewer whites, uh, star Wars filibuster, Patton Oswalt's rant animated geek week, blah, blah, blah. I've been talking about this the last couple of days. Cause people are throwing in Luke, like uh, throwing these series. What if the Luke Skywalker level cameo, is Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker shows up in WandaVision and everything. And I've been telling people about this Patton Oswalt. If you guys have not seen the Patton Oswalt appearance on Parks and Rec doing his legendary filibuster of his proposal and pitch to cross over the MCU in Star Wars, you have whatever your plans are this afternoon, cancel them and go and watch that. And there is an animated version as well as the anonymous viewer put, put in. Okay, next up. ZOMG Ruler writes, nice house. Thank you very much. Ann and I are loving our new house right now. I see MCU rocks. DCEU sucks, folks, a lot on the internet. Uh, Reminds me of Patriots rock, Cowboys suck, folks. You use sports analogies a lot. What team is MCU right now? And what is DCEU like? I enjoy both MCU and DCEU, so I don't see them as opponents. Well, listen, we, we still see, although thankfully, Rob, to me, we have not seen it as much in the last year or two, but we still do see uh, some people who are MCU rocks, DCU sucks, and some who are DCU rocks, MCU sucks, and it's like, really? Can't we just like movies? And you don't automatically like something because it's got one corporate label, and you don't automatically dislike something because it's got another corporate label? Uh, But whatever. Who would I say that in sports terminology, Rob, that the MCU is kind of like right now and the DCU is right now. Here's here's my thought. Right now, the MCU is the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, best team in football. They're a powerhouse. They're kind of unstoppable uh, at the moment. The things in the NFL can change very quickly and they can in the movies too. So right now to me, MCU is kind of like the Kansas City Chiefs. The DCEU to me right now is kind of like the Miami Dolphins. Uh, but but follow me here. Follow me here. A, a team okay. that 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 has struggled 
Yeah. But they have been showing big signs of improvement. They've been showing that they're on the upswing. They've been showing that they're they're becoming um they're becoming competitive. They're becoming a real deal to the point where I feel like in a season or two, the Dolphins could be a serious playoff threat. And I, 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 that's how I kind of see them. They, they have struggled in recent years, but then just recently they've really started to turn things around. So that's kind of my, uh, that's kind of my analogy for that. Uh, the way I see, it. I don't know, Rob, what do you, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I, I could see that. I mean, I, I, I could see that. I, I, I don't know if I would call them the Miami Dolphins, but, but hey, man, uh, with yeah. Fitz Magic, with Fitz Magic and Tua, they've they've been winning. Yeah, well, they've been winning know, some games, uh, man. Uh, I look. I think the difference, the big difference, is that even with the Miami Dolphins, you have a coaching staff that's bringing things around. Yeah. I think right now, I think that that the DCEU and the DC films moving forward, there's so many balls up in the air. I don't, I don't see much of a plan. I still want to see more of a plan. The MCU, they have a plan. They have a plan. And I I still trust Walter Hamada. I still believe he's got, I still believe he does have a plan. How much he's going to be able to execute that plan with the people above him. And that's, that's going to be the question mark uh, to your point. Uh, All right. uh, Next up, Abel Leon writes, um uh hey john hope you're having a great day i am having a great whenever we get to talk movies together it's a great day hope you're having a great day i'm not really an nfl fan but i always watch the final there is always something different when it's the final no matter which sport Uh, i will be supporting the buccaneers because tampa is where i live go bucks the tom cabay gronkineers ladies and gentlemen i i'm gonna be cheering for them but i i i would i would put my money on kansas city winning this game but at any rate you know i'm kind of the same way i'm not a a huge fan of every sport in the world but when it comes down to the late playoffs or the finals or the championships i can get invested because there's real human drama right like i don't watch uh uh u.s collegiate basketball i don't but i'll watch some march madness I'll watch some March Madness. There's some real human drama there. So I'm kind of with you on that, Abel. All right. Thanks for that, man. Uh, Wyatt Bender writes, Spider-Man has been my number one favorite since I was four. To be honest, not all the Spider-Mans we've had are great. Love Toby's uh, Peter Parker, but his Spider-Man is meh. Andrew Spidey is great. His Peter Parker, nah. Tom Holland is great at both. Poorly written. Um, I don't know about that. Like, I think, Rob, one of the things that I love about the Spider-Man we've had in the last couple of decades, going back to the first Spider-Man, the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie is every Spider-Man really has been, it's kind of like the Joker that we've seen on screen. I feel like every Spider-Man has been definitively Spider-Man, but at the same time, very unique from each other. Toby's Spider-Man is very different from Andrew's Spider-Man. Andrew's Spider-Man is very different from Tom's Spider-Man, but they're all at their core DNA truly spider-man at the same time and yeah you're right i think they each have their strengths and their weaknesses i'm a fan of all of them i love andrew garfield spider-man but i kind of feel like tom is becoming my favorite i'm not really sure rob when you look at the the different spider-man stuff how do you see it i well i feel the same way i mean the one thing about tom holland is he has he strikes the perfect balance of of to me of normal everyday kid and superhero and I think that's a really tough – like Tobey Maguire I, I thought was a great Peter Parker, but there was always something sort of 
ethereal or distant about him to me. I, I never connected with Tobey Maguire. He's always kind of this introspective, quiet type, whereas Tom Holland, I like the fact that he'll get in your face and, and talk to you. I feel like I would be better friends with Tom Holland's Peter Parker than I would be with Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker, and and if that makes any sense. It totally but, does. So I, I think that Tom Holland is great. I mean, I understand people's objections that his Spider-Man has always had a mentor figure in Tony Stark and now Doctor Strange, I guess, but but that's never really bothered me. Because it was established that he did this on his own to start with. So, yeah, I, I, I still think he's my favorite. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I really do like all of them. I, yeah. I really do like all of them. And one of my favorite things about it is actually definitely my favorite chemistry, love interest chemistry. I never thought of Interview with a Vampire Girl, Why Am I Freezing on Her Name, who played MJ in the first Spider-Man movie. Uh, guys in the live chat. Why am I freeze? She she was in, she was the little girl interview with the vampire. Oh yeah. Um. Um. um Come on, why? guys. I'm, hey, I, I don't want to go look it up. Kristen Dunst. Thank you. Kristen Dunst. Uh, Tana was the first one to write that in. Then Tyrone, Amir, Omar, ninety five. Everybody. Kristen Dunst. Right. So I was ne even though I I really like Spider Man one and two. I never bought into the chemistry between Tobey Maguire and Kristen Dunst. I I just thought uh, Kristen Dunst is a great actress. I never thought she was a good cast for MJ. Um, I really like Zendaya and Tom Holland. They're very cute. They have, they have, uh, they have some real charisma together, but while Tom is becoming my favorite Spider-Man, I, I think seriously, I think the Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone dynamic, um, can't be touched. I, I really, that was kind of my favorite individual part about both of those Spider-Man movies. I just thought their chemistry together was fantastic. So everyone has their own unique things that, that really stand out. So that's a good thing about that. All right. Uh, next up. Thanks for that, Wyatt. The real Michael Myers writes, Hey John, here's my theory on WandaVision. My theory is that there is no Skywalker level cameo. And you could be right because listen, I'm not going to go into spoilers, no spoilers, but there was a thing that happened last night. And that ain't wasn't nothing Luke Skywalker level. That was right. not Luke Skywalker and Mandalorian level at all. And I don't believe that's what Elizabeth Olsen was talking about anyway. I don't I don't believe that. I think there is another big, truly big one coming. For those of you who saw the last episode, you know what I'm talking about. That was not Luke Skywalker level. Uh, so there's probably another one coming, especially since we're now just over the halfway point. So there's still a lot of show to go. So I don't think that. But we'll see real Michael Myers because if they think that that was the Luke Skywalker in Mandalorian level cameo, then you're right. There is no Luke Skywalker level cameo coming, but I don't think that was it. I don't think that was it. We'll talk about more about that on our uh, WandaVision spoiler discussion a little bit later today. All right. Jaron Morris writes, even though I trust Naughty Dog and the creators, John, if you had to guess based on The Last of Us 2, how you think the story will be in Last of Us 3. Also, congratulations to you and Anne on your blessing. Wishing you many more. Thank you so much. We're loving. Uh, we just moved into our first home. We're really enjoying it. It's been great. Thank you so much for that. Where do I think part three is going to go? That's I mean, that's a good question. You still you still follow. First of all, I thought Last of Us 2, which just officially became the most uh, awarded video game of all time, I thought Last of Us 2 was beyond brilliant. 
like beyond brilliant. It, it, it was staggering to me. My jaw was on the floor as I went through like the 12 hour movie version of it. And I watched the story unfold. I just thought this is, this is some of the deepest shit I've ever seen in a video game. And I just thought it was brilliantly, brilliantly done. I know there are people out there who don't agree and that's cool. It's all subjective, but for me, for my money, it was incredible. Obviously I think part three has got to involve her going to try to find her family again. She lost her girl. She lost her kid. She's got to go. I think a lot of whatever part three is going to be, however far down the road it is, that's got to be a major part of the story. I would think. I would think that's got to be part of the story. Um, yeah. I, I, but yeah, that's where I, I think they're going to go. Uh, probably some flashback stuff, but I'm not really sure. Rob, you got any theories about where they might go with Last of Us no. 3? I mean, there, but that sounds like a good idea because it is familial and and there's always uh, there is a, a strong bonding thing with this this franchise there's an emotional content to it that i think they they need to keep they need to retain otherwise it won't feel like a last of us game right absolutely all right next up uh uh shrock star writes hey john in spider-man far from home one of the movies on the airplane was called the snap Really? With a picture of the gauntlet. So people must know enough about what happened to have put a film together. Whoever explained it, the news clearly got out. Actually, that's true. So what Shrockstar is talking about here is there was a bit of a question come up because, you know, I, I don't refer to the blip as the blip. I call it the snap or the snappening or the dusting yeah. or whatever. Somebody brought up, well, John, the public may not know that, you know, about Thanos. They may not know about the gauntlet. They may not know about the snap. I said, no, I'm pretty sure they would have told them. Somebody else brought up the other day a really great point that I had forgotten about is that in Endgame, at the beginning of Endgame, as Captain America is in that mutual support group, he talks about then uh, Thanos should have just gotten rid of all of us. Okay, so clearly everybody knows about Thanos. And I totally missed that thing in Far From Home that one of the movies was called The Snap with a Picture of the Gauntlet. So if you're right about that, because I don't remember that, but if you're right about that, that puts that debate to rest. The public know what happened, who did it, and how it happened. Well, I mean, that becomes clear, doesn't it, Rob, at that point? I, I, I think, can you imagine uh, half the population of the world just disappears uh, if they didn't know, I, I mean, I would love to see that. That could be a whole movie in itself. How do the Avengers explain to the world leaders and to the world at large what happened? Can you imagine you've got like Steve Rogers going, so there's this guy, this extraterrestrial named Thanos, and there are these things called the Infinity Stones. I mean, I would just love to see that press conference. <laughs> And then, I, and then, and then the reporters uh, raising their hands afterwards to ask questions about. Wait, what happened? I have all the questions. Can can you can I ask? Yeah, because my whole part was this: like some people raised a very valid point that says, you know, this could lead the idea of alien beings and mystical magical stones, and it could create cult religions and blah blah blah. There, the, you know, the government won't tell people everything. And I said that's a good point, but when you look at the Steve Rogers. Captain America in the MCU and his evolution from first Avenger through winter soldier, through civil war, through the Avengers, through the Avengers movies, there is no way that Steve Rogers isn't telling people what happened. 
the people who just lost their mothers and fathers and loved yeah. ones and spouses and children and neighbors and blah, blah, and have no idea why. There is no way. It doesn't matter if the government calls Captain America and says, you're not allowed to tell people. Screw that. Captain America is telling people. Can you can you imagine all the America, the, the American homegrown conspiracy theorists who would come out after the are you are we expected to believe Captain America telling us some purple monster named Thanos caused the disappearance of half? You know, it was secret experiments by the United States government. <laughs> I mean, it would be it would be hilarious. <laughs> Thanos didn't. Thanos didn't win at the end of Endgame. We won by a lot. Anyway, sorry. I'm getting off. I'm getting off topic here. I'm getting off topic. Let's get back to it here. Okay. Next up. Thanks for that, Shrockstar. And that's a great point that you raised. That is an excellent point that you raised. All right. Uh, Hassan writes one of two. Um, hey, John, one of my favorite movies of all time and a movie I feel is not talked about nearly enough as it should be is Daniel Day Lewis's The Last of Mohicans. Stay alive. I talk about that movie all the time. I love that movie. Uh, is Last of the Mohicans. It excels in particularly every aspect of filmmaking, the acting score and cinematography. Oh, hell yes. Hell yes. Last of the Mohicans is absolutely amazing. And, you know, we, we can talk about My Left Foot and some other things, too. I think Last of the Mohicans, Rob, that was a movie... Daniel Day-Lewis had been around already for a while. People knew, oh, that, that dude's really good. That dude's really good. I think it was Last of the Mohicans that made people start going, that began the process, if you will, of, okay, this guy's not just good. We're we're looking at something really special. And it may have been Last of the Mohicans that did that. But yeah, <laughs> I, I always think about that. Stay alive. And I just love that line. There's, I think it's a powerful, passionate a moving moment in the movie too. Anyway, Rob, what are your thoughts on Last of the Mohicans? Bruh, Michael Mann power. I love Last of the Mohicans. But lest we not forget Wes Studi as Magua. Wes Studi as the villain. I mean, he – talk about a star turn. That movie is so great. I love it, love it, love it, love it. If you <laughs> haven't seen Last of the Mohicans, you, you, you haven't lived – yeah, I agree. And by the way, I forgot to read the second half of Hassan's thing who writes, uh, uh, there are some of the best I've seen. Man, what a movie. Uh, why do you think this film has somewhat disappeared into the ether and is almost never talked about anymore? P.S. My fellow Canadian here from Mississauga. I love Mississauga. Uh, I have to drive through Mississauga every time I fly into the Toronto Pearson International Airport, drive back home to Hamilton. I, I like Mississauga very much. Um, and like I said, we do talk about Now, listen, it is an older movie now. Last of the Mohicans is an older film. Uh, so that is that makes it tough to talk about a lot. But I mean, I know I bring I bring that up a lot. I bring up Last of the Mohicans a bunch. I mean, maybe maybe not like every week or something like that. And I think, but I but I have a feeling. I remember myself doing the whole Daniel Day Lewis "Stay Alive" an awful lot on this show. So, but I, I think mostly it's just an older film. It's just an older film, so it kind of yeah. starts to fade a bit. But yeah, pe more people should get turned on to it, Hassan. Absolutely, it's a terrific, terrific film. All right, Taki seventy five writes. Uh, finally saw Man of Steel. My opinion, like Shakespeare said, it's a tale told by an idiot full uh, full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Uh, there were moments when I felt uh, pummeled into submission as if I was watching a Transformers movie. Hey, you know what? That's the thing about all movies, man. It's all subjective. It's all subjective. And if you watch Man of Steel and you went in and it didn't work for you, didn't work for you. I lament that it didn't work for you. I wish it did work for you, but it didn't. And that's totally cool. I think it's a masterpiece of the comic book genre. 
I think, and it gets better every time I watch it. And uh, I know I go on and on more and more about all the time about Man of Steel, but uh, I ain't going to stop because I think that movie is freaking awesome. Anyway, but thanks for sharing your thoughts on that, Tacky. Appreciate it. Next up, uh, Amin writes, uh, which do you prefer? The Count of Monte Cristo or the Man in the Iron Mask? I'm going to say something unpopular. I personally really like uh, Monte Cristo and absolutely love the story. You think we will get a proper reboot remake anytime soon? Maybe like in the next five years would love a modern version. Well, number one, yeah, I do think Count of Monte Cristo is just one of those movies that and there's one of those stories, Rob, that just gets it's asking to be remade every so often. Right. Yeah. So I do see that happening. But I'm going to tell you what. I prefer Man in the Iron Mask. And everybody's like yelling at the computer monitors. What? Let me tell you why, though. There's a very specific reason why I like Man in the Iron Mask. It's because I absolutely love the Three Musketeers movie with Keith Sutherland, Oliver Platt, Charlie Sheen. Uh, who's the kid who played Robin? Who was George Clooney's Robin? And now he's in... Uh, He's in that crime show with Ice T. Yeah, and they they're they're making a hot toy action figure of him. Yeah, and uh, and, and Chris well, O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell, thank you. It's Chris O'Donnell. I, you said that just before Andrew Nathan sent in a live chat, and that's yeah. So there's this there's this three musketeers. It's old, and Rebecca De Mornier was in it as well. Oh, and uh, 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 Professor Poole from Oscar, and he was also in uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, and. Uh, uh, anyway, the guy who played uh, the, the Cardinal, whatever, was in that too. Anyway, Tim Curry. Kimberly writes in, Tim Curry. Oh. Tim Curry was in that too. I love that Three Musketeers movie. I adore. I don't know why. It really, it's probably not even all that good. But I love that Three Musketeers movie. So years later, along comes this movie, Man in the Iron Mask, with Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, John Malkovich, Jeremy Irons, Gerard Depardieu, uh, Gabriel Byrne uh, is in it. And it's not meant to be, Rob. Man the Iron Mask was not meant to be. But if you watch that Three Musketeers movie with Kiefer Sutherland and then immediately watch Man in the Iron Mask, you would swear they were. it was meant as a sequel. 20 years later, it, it feels like it was, it was just, it just kind of feels like a sequel. And when I watch it in those terms, I really, really like man in the iron mask, even though I know it's probably not all that great of a movie, but when I see it as a sequel to that three musketeers movie, I absolutely love it. Anyway, Rob, and the big question here about can Monte Cristo or man in the iron mask, where do you fall? Well, they're both incredible classic tales. I might be a man in the iron mask. I might lean really? a little. So I might. I, I might. wasn't expecting that. I might. All right. Next up. That's two votes for man in the iron mask. <laughs> Aaron Schro uh, Schrader writes, uh, we are overthinking the MCU mutants issue. I don't think it requires a reality altering event to introduce them. A paragraph explaining that mutants were always around, but now their presence has been revealed uh, at the beginning of a new X-Men is all we need. It's, it's not, Aaron. It's not. And here's why. There have been a lot of people ever since, you know, the Fox merger was announced, Rob. There's been a lot of people that theorize, oh, just say that the mutants have, uh, have always been there. We just didn't know about it. 
That doesn't work because a teenager in the local neighborhood, you know, hits puberty, hits a stressful moment in his life, which is when the mutation normally starts to manifest. And all of a sudden he sets his neighborhood on fire accidentally, (laughs) you know, maybe not on purpose. You know, a, a young girl is walking down the street falls down, hurts her knee, screams out in pain, and then all of a sudden, all the plants on the street die. You know, it's it's that manifestation of when it comes out that you that can't be kept secret. Maybe not every mutant who comes into uh, manifesting their mutation will become public news, but if you're talking thousands, there's there's no a kid and and by the way. You know, some dude realizes I've got the ability to walk through walls. He's going to start robbing banks. Eventually, you, you can't say that there was 30 or 40 years of this going on, of mutants being born and at some point manifesting their powers and nobody noticed. Nobody noticed. It's it's what I wish they could do. But Rob, I just don't think there's a way to do it that way. I don't think they, they've always been here. And we just didn't know. I don't think that works. I don't know. Rob, what do you think? Is there a way to make it work? No. I mean, if you think about the mutants in the X-Men universe, you, you go all the way back to ancient Egypt. And yeah. and I think that we there, there's got to be some way. Although, you know what? Now we have uh, a, a different reality. We've got multiverses. We've got all kinds of things. So we shall see. Right. We shall see. Now, listen, uh, Jared in the live chat is bringing up a common response. That a lot of people then say, and Jared says, can't Professor X cloak uh, the presence of mutants? No, he can't. He can't mind trick every single person on the planet, because here's the problem. You can make the whole planet forget about mutants. Okay. five minutes later, some kid in Toledo is going to manifest a mutant ability where they turn into a lizard creature and that's going to hit the news. Now, Charles Xavier again has to mind wipe the world. Three minutes after that, somewhere in Egypt, some little girl hits a mutation where her arms turn to water and people catch it on their cell phones and catch it on their cameras. Now, Charles Xavier has to mind wipe the planet again. Three minutes after that, you go over to Istanbul and, you know, it's, it's just on and on. So it's just a problem that can't be can't be solved that easy because believe me, I thought about that. It's like, well, maybe they can do this because I thought way more about this stuff than a grown ass man should think about this stuff. And I've thought about it a lot, but. It's that's why, Rob, I, I still don't think I don't know how Kevin Feige is going to do it. Like, I, I'm I'm one of these pain in the ass people, the worst people, one of the worst people who points out problems <laughs> without having a valid solution. You right. know, like when I was running AMC and Kleiner and stuff like that, I would often tell my staff and I tell my teams like, listen, when there's a problem, unless it's a major, major emergency, stop think about the problem for a few minutes and try to come with me with some ideas of a solution before you bring me the problem. Like, don't let it wait a day or two, but when a problem pops up, unless it's a massive emergency, give it some thought and then try to come to me with some ideas for a solution before you bring me the problem. And right now I'm one of those pain in the ass people that I'm like, yeah, there's trying to bring in the mutants. Here's this problem and this problem, this problem. And Hey, Campy, do you have any actual solutions? No, I have no solutions. I actually don't know what a good way to do it is. So Kevin Feige's got his work cut out for him, dude. Kevin Feige's got his work cut out for him. It's going to be, and, 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 and if anybody can do it, it's going to be Kevin Feige. All right. Next up, uh, Brandon Ryan, uh, Rin writes, 
Do you think WandaVision's title itself is a nod to the plot? In other words, it refers to Wanda's vision of an ideal life rather than just the two characters. I found it interesting uh, that it's called WandaVision rather than Wanda and Vision. Uh, well, I mean, it fits in with the show, right? WandaVision. I, I think it's, Rob, personally, I've always thought it's something that has multiple meanings. Yes. I don't think there's one meaning. I don't. How would you answer that question? I, I, I think you exactly nailed it. It has multiple meanings, and that's why. And it, you know, as we are discovering, there really isn't a vision there. So having vision there is part of Wanda's vision. So it's it's Wanda Vision is the perfect title. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it is. And, and again, I think we're going to discover even more meanings as the show progresses. So that's part of the reason why it's such a good uh, such a good thing. All right. Next up here, uh, LCW writes, hey, John, hope you're good. I am good. Thank you. I'm fairly new to Marvel slash comic book movies. Which are the top five movies you would recommend? I don't do top fives, just so you know. Uh, I, you know, do, you know, I don't do what's your top 10 this, which top five that. If you really just get new and getting into them, though, some ones I would recommend are the ones that generally people tend to say, Rob, are the best comic book movies ever. So here's a couple um, that generally people might say are the best comic book movies ever. Uh, the first Avengers movie, uh, Dark Knight, Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight, Logan. Uh, then uh, I, I mean, personally, <laughs> going back to this personally, I would say you should really try to watch Man of Steel. Uh, if for no other reason that Superman is the granddaddy of all superheroes, I mean, he is, he's the the big kahuna. So I would say that one and, and then another wild one just to throw out there, I, you know, to throw in an X-Men one. I think X-Men Days of Future Past is an excellent film. Now, I'm not saying that's the top five, but if you're just getting into comic book movies, those are ones I think you can jump into and, and really enjoy. I don't know, Rob, if you had to just throw out some random recommendations for somebody who's just getting started into watching some comic book movies, what would you recommend? Well, I think, you know, start with Superman the movie. Uh, that's what I would, that's the granddaddy of all and kind of, it has a classical feel to it, you know? And I think that the first Iron Man, the, as far as an origin story goes, setting up the MCU is important. Mm. Um, I, I would watch, I mean, it, it, look, I would say watch something like, I love The Crow. The Crow is based in a, on a comic book, J.O. Barr's comic book of the same name, but it's not significant in terms of where we're at mythologically. Um, I would watch the first Wonder Woman, you know, and and then I probably, you know, I think as far as a, a prototypical, I think Captain America, the first Avenger is is a good place. And I'm thinking not my favorite comic book movies, but the best places to start watching comic book films to sort of get a feel for what they are. Yes. All right. Let's move on. Uh, next up, uh, Jerome writes, Hey, John and Rob, speaking of cameo that would be on the level of like a Mandalorian, uh, imagine John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic and Emily Blunt as Sue Storm would be mental. It would be mental. Absolutely. They're not going to do that. Uh, for a couple reasons. I don't, they haven't cast that yet. They haven't cast it yet. Uh, although we would all love it to be Krasinski and Emily Blunt. But the other thing is we just talked on the show the other day that the showrunner of WandaVision came out and debunked the idea of a Fantastic Four connection. That being said, that being said, it doesn't make it impossible. But I mean, 
we're talking about a Fantastic Four movie is probably a movie that's not even shooting for another year and a half or two years. Uh, they just attached a director to it. I don't think people like Krasinski and Emily Blunt will commit to things that far in advance yet. So, I, I mean, I don't know. It's possible, but it seems more like a fairy tale wish. I don't know, Rob, do you think there's any possibility here or, or, or how big of a possibility you think it is that we could see John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic pop up? After what they're doing now, I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> but but I don't. I mean, that would be a. I I <laughs> that would definitely be a Luke Skywalker moment for me. If John Krasinski was playing Reed Richards, I'd be like, I, I and that would be crazy because everybody. It's it's like everybody wants them to play Mister Fantastic and Sue Storm, and if they did that, and look, you know, Emily Blunt was was Mary Poppins. And it's it's like if there's going to be if there's a way to do it, they've already announced there's going to be a Fantastic Four movie and they like Marvel likes to introduce characters within the bodies of other things. So if that's who Monica Rambeau called uh, and let's not, let's not talk about anything. Episode five. Let's not talk. Oh, anything right, episode right, five. Right. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I that could happen. I, I could see it happening. It, you know what? It would not surprise me. In the least. Not surprise me. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's move on here. I didn't see that coming, right? Biggest plot twist in WandaVision. Acting director of S.W.O.R.D. is a pretty chill dude. He's not a villain with a master plan or will be betraying anyone. He's just a dude. Just volunteers at the local shelter, is active in the PTA, and his dad chokes after the shift. Well, here's the thing, though. What we do... Because there have been a lot of theories about the sword director. And again, I'm not going to talk about episode five yet. I, I know a lot of you haven't had a chance to watch it yet. You've got until later today if you'd like. But uh, it, it is our nature as fans of this type of material to theorize about every little thing. The postman wore a white hat. That proves that, I don't know, who's a character that wears white? Storm. One of Storm's classic costumes. The the postman wore a white hat. Do you think that means Storm is going to show up in this because she wears white? I mean, that's that's that is what we as fans do. We do it all the time. And so there have been a lot of theories cir circling around the uh, the director of Sword, uh, and that that aren't necessarily crazy theories, by the way. So there's been a lot going around of that. So yeah, maybe what if he's just a dude, man? What if he's just a dude? All right, next up, uh, Aaron Schrader writes. We can't compare the Spider-Man situation to the X-Men one. Sony made that deal with Disney with a desire to get a new Spider-Man film out ASAP. Sony wouldn't have made the deal if Kevin Feige has said, I'm not going to make a Spider-Man film for five years. I mean, so that that's a reference to Rob. Yesterday, somebody wrote in and said, well, because, you know, Kevin Feige has said, I've before I do X-Men, I've got five years. I've got a five year plan. I want to get through that plan first and then I'll address X-Men. Somebody wrote in and said, well, John, there wasn't five years between when we found out uh, Sony and Marvel made their deal to make a Spider-Man thing, and, they, and then they had Spider-Man and that. I said, yeah, that's true, but Kevin Feige never came out and said, at, when they announced that the Spider-Man deal had happened, Kevin Feige never came out and said, that's great that we can make Spider-Man, but I've got five years of story first I want to do first, and then I'll do Spider-Man. But he did specify that about X-Men, or he did specify that about X-Men in particular, and Fantastic Four. And by the way, 
it does look like Fantastic Four will be five years after the Fox Disney acquisition, if everything goes the way it should go right now. So it, they're different situations. And again, Rob, what I've said every time we've talked about the Kevin Feige thing and him saying five years is he's human. He can change his mind. We just haven't seen any indication that he's changed his mind yet, but he can change his mind. But yeah, Kevin Feige was very clear it was going to be five years. And this, you're right, uh, Schrader. It, the the, the Spider-Man situation is very, very different. All right, next up. Uh, hey, it's that guy writes. One of two. WandaVision theory that I haven't heard anybody mention. I think Dottie is manipulating Wanda and working for General, uh, General Nguyen Khoi. That's why the word Khoi keeps showing up on the newspaper Vision Reads in episode one and on the dish soap in episode three. Um, and... And, uh, and I, that Dottie saying for the children is a misdirect and they're actually kidnapping children. That's why there's missing kid posters and Spider-Man set photos, or that someone on the show is a fan of former Collider host coach, uh, Jandro. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know about any of that. That seems like a bit of a stretch. I'm, I think most of us are more focused on, and I don't want to get into spoiler material here. Most of us seem to be more focused on Agnes than Dottie, but Dottie could be significant. Dottie could be very significant. We'll have to wait and see. Or maybe she's just another player in it like everybody else. But there's something unique about Agnes. There's something that makes Agnes stand out a little bit more unique from everybody else. Now, that doesn't mean I think she's Agatha Harkness. But there is something. There is something there. And you know you know what I've said, uh, hey, it's that guy. I, I've been saying for a while that I suspect there might, although I'm not convinced. But there could be some connection between the children's situation in WandaVision and in the fact in Spider-Man 3, we see all these missing children posters. Could be a connection, might not be. But there you go, Rob. That's We're always looking for little things that are connected because that's what we do. All right, Will writes, I just wanted to support the show. Oh, thank you for that, Will. I also love when Erin is there with you guys. Hope to see her again soon. Yeah, we love having Erin on the show as well. And uh, she will be back very soon. Uh, I'm not going to give a specific date yet, but Erin will be back very, very soon. And we love having her on the show as well. Uh, you know, the COVID stuff has made things difficult, but we're almost at a point where we're going to be able to do that. So thank you for that, Will. It's always nice when somebody wants to write in just to say something kind. I appreciate that, man. All right. Uh, Lil Uzi Vision writes, what do you think Sony should slash will do with Men in Black? Ooh, there hasn't been a great one since the first Men in Black. Men in Black 3 was okay. I, I'll go that far. I'll say Men in Black 3 was okay. And the last one flopped. Will they bring Smith and Jones back again, do another reboot, jump street crossover, a streaming show, or is it dead? Rob, that's a, that's a great question. Because that last Men in Black movie wasn't very good. No. And it didn't look very good either. And people generally stayed away from it. I can't remember uh, what it made. Hold a second. Uh, Men in Black uh, 20. Uh, what year did it come out? Was it 2020 or 2019? I'm going to say 2019 uh box office i can't remember i remember it it really did not do well financially oh no it did not made 253 million dollars 253 million dollars they spent on that movie and that was not a cheap movie to make that movie had a budget of 110 which means they lost in the tens of millions of dollars on it so what do you do with men in black rob if you're sony at this point you just say hey 
we we tried to revive it. It didn't work. Time to put Men in Black away. Maybe revisit it again ten years from now. Or or do you do you say, hey, listen, it's still a recognizable IP. Let's do something with it. If you're the head of Sony right now, what are you doing with Men in Black? Eh, put it away. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's kind of a one note joke that gets played out again and again and again and again. So, yeah. Um, all right. Next up. Uh, Sergeant Ward writes, I know you think Army Hammer allegations is TMZ nonsense. Yep. So we're just going to skip by that. Uh, that's not what we're here to talk about. I'm not here to talk about the personal lives of whatever. If he did something really bad, F that guy. If not, F everybody else. I just don't want to get into the nonsense of it. Uh, I appreciate you writing in, but that's not, we're not here. People aren't here to talk about, you know, some scandalous uh, actors texts. I, I just have no interest in talking about it. All right. Um, I always mispronounce the name. Guame Guame LaBelle writes, calling it right now, John, the big Luke Skywalker type cameo will be Toby Kebble uh, Kebble reprising his iconic role of blow up doll. Dr. Doom from Fantastic Four. People will go batshit insane. Yeah. By the way, I love Toby. I, I think he's great. I really I think he's fantastic. He's wonderful. But yeah, um, not really sure <laughs> obviously labelle is being yeah. very facetious here uh, <laughs> that is not something people go crazy about but oh my gosh that's one thing rob no one's talked about that what if uh what if we have i don't know michael b jordan show up as johnny storm <laughs> in, in, in westview i mean what, what that, nobody's talking about that we're talking about all the other fantastic four stuff what about him what about that i don't know uh, yeah, probably not. And I think, again, LaBelle's being a bit facetious there. Good one. All right. Captain Blue Pants writes, uh, sending this in before episode five. So this might be redundant in a few hours. But one thing with mysteries in terms of writing is that you put red herrings in for misdirection. I feel like the Mephisto Easter eggs are just that misdirection. I've always felt that. I've always felt that. I, I still don't believe right now. L- look, Rob, I, I've said this, but very clear. I don't think Mephisto is going to be in this, but, but there are those little hints in the show. You can't deny it. There are no. those hints on the show. And that's why, while I'm sitting here saying, I don't believe Mephisto is going to be a part of this. I wouldn't bet money on it. I, there's no way I'd bet money on it. Just like I believe Kevin Feige is not going to reference X-Men or anything like that in this show. I believe in his five-year plan, but the fact that to talk about this Luke Skywalker level cameo and you've got Magneto out there and you've got Professor Charles Xavier out there, um, you know, you can't deny that that's a strong, maybe strong's too big of a word. Uh, you can't deny it's at least a feasible possibility that they could do that. Rob, I had one theory that I'm not going to go into what it was, but got thoroughly or at least to a degree disproven in episode five well we won't talk about what it was right now but that's why you go you have your theories but if you know it's possible could go the other way you say i got my theories but keep your mind open to that listen i don't think kevin feige is going to bring in x-men or reference x-men but you can't deny there's enough stuff there to know that it's a possibility and so that's a big thing and by the way rob i want to throw one more thing what this came up in my companion video yesterday Charles Xavier. We forget that a year ago, 
almost exactly a year ago, reports came out that were confirmed by Patrick Stewart himself that he and Kevin Feige did get together to talk about Charles Xavier. Now, what Patrick Stewart said at the time was that me and Kevin met a couple of months ago, which would have put it around, let's say, November of 2019, maybe October 2019. Guess what was happening around October, November of 2019? Pre-production on WandaVision was going on around then. So Patrick Stewart says he and Kevin Feige did sit down and they met and they talked about Charles Xavier. And then Patrick Stewart said, uh, I declined because I felt like my ending, my Charles Xavier ending in Logan was perfect. So I declined. Okay. Okay, Patrick. What if he didn't decline? (laughs) What if he did not decline? That's right around the time. That is right around the time that they're putting WandaVision together, that they're putting the pieces of WandaVision together. And and you know who's a huge Star Trek The Next Generation fan? Kevin Feige. Feige. Is a massive fan. And 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 the thing is, like we've talked about, I, I don't think based on what we now know that anything is off the table i agree other than batman showing up i don't think any and hell i wouldn't even be surprised i mean even john even that's not off the table (laughs) that's not completely off the table but i'm i'm just saying man when you actually start to put the dots together Again, I am not willing to bet five bucks that Charles Xavier is going to show up at, at the climax of WandaVision as Charles Xavier. I'm just saying, because I don't think X-Men are going to be referenced at all, but I'm just saying there, there is stuff there that you you can't just ignore and dismiss, right? So I don't know. I, to me, it's interesting. To me, well, it's I'll tell you something else, too. I mean, if you really wanted to look into it, you know, after the events of Days of Future Past, you could say that the timelines in the Fox X-Men universe were fractured. So who's to say that Charles Xavier hasn't always been in the MCU? Maybe, you know, the X-Men aren't in the MCU the way they are elsewhere, but who's to say that Charles Xavier as a character isn't? Maybe. I, again, we're talking about comic book movies, so you can do anything. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's Kevin Feige. He can do anything. All right, uh, let's move on. Thanks for sending that in, uh, Captain Blue Pants. Uh, Peter writes, okay, so I know a lot of people have been wa- uh, wondering, probably meant wondering, wondering if people in the MCU knew about the snap. Did everyone just forget about the scene in Far From Home where Peter is on the airplane? You're the next person to write this in, Peter. Oh, Peter's on the airplane looking through the movies and sees one is called The Snap with a picture of the gauntlet. So yeah, somebody else wrote that in. But yeah, it's it's a great point. I, and I'll tell you what, I I did forget about that. I've, I totally forgot about that. And so I'm glad you guys are bringing that up. Thanks for throwing that in there, Peter. Appreciate it, man. Uh, next up, an anonymous viewer writes, one of two. Uh, hey, John, left my name blank on purpose. That's fair enough. On your show, the question about uh, did Captain America tell people about Thanos has come up a lot. Well, I'm here with proof. There is a line in Avengers Endgame uh, just after the five-year time skip at the therapy meeting. We were just talking about this, Anonymous, um, where Captain America says 
Uh, you got to move on. The world is in our hands. Uh, it's left to us, guys, and you got to do something with it. Otherwise, Thanos should have killed all of us. This proves that the general public in the MCU know of Thanos and what he did. And you're absolutely right about that, Anonymous. You're 1,000% right about that. And as Peter and somebody else earlier pointed out, in the uh, in the Spider-Man Far From Home, in the airplane movies, one is called the snap and had the gauntlet on. So clearly, it's the, 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 the debate is over. There is no more discussion about it. Clearly, the public know about at least the basics of what happened. At least the basics of what happened. So thanks for throwing that in there, Anonymous. Appreciate you throwing that in. I appreciate it, man. All right. Chris uh, Cutterer writes, one of three. Um, I found your recent talk about Kevin Spacey very interesting. I'm a lifelong wrestling fan and probably my saddest day as a fan was coming home from work in 2007 and reading that my favorite wrestler Chris Benoit and his family were found dead in their home. It only got worse hours later when it came out that he had murdered his wife and child and then killed himself. Since that day, I've never really had a problem watching any of his matches. However, the one thing I cannot watch is he and the late Eddie Guerrero in the ring at the end of WrestleMania 20. That was one of the most iconic wrestling moments ever. Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit both won heavyweight championships. They were lifelong friends. They had come up in wrestling together. It was a huge moment. At WrestleMania 20 in Madison Square Garden, both celebrating with each other after winning world titles. It's weird. I guess what we can and can't watch when it comes to those who entertain us when bad shit happens. Thanks, John. So first of all, thanks for sharing that, Chris. And yeah, I still remember that. I still remember that, man, when the Chris Benoit stuff came out and they they were going to make a movie about it called uh, Crossface. Yeah, because that was the name of Chris Benoit's finishing move. It was going to be called Crossface. And it just never kind of materialized. But Rob, we were talking about this the other day because Kevin Spacey came up and talking about, is it weird that I have, I have friends that don't want to watch Kevin Spacey movies now and, and I don't have a problem with it and I do and other kind of stuff. And I said, I think it's different for all of us because I can't even tell you, I can't explain the way my brain works with it. I can't explain it because I have no problem watching a Kevin Spacey movie that I've already seen prior to all the controversy. Like I can go back and watch, you know, usual suspects or American beauty or, you know, pay it forward or, or whatever else. I have no problem going back and watching those movies that I already saw. And I don't even think about it, but I remember last year, something came up where there was this Kevin Spacey thing that I never had seen. And I felt weird about watching that. That makes no sense. I can't explain it. I, I I just can't explain it. Rob, when it comes to things like that, whether it's a Kevin Spacey or uh, here's a good example, Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby is my all-time favorite comedian. And now I don't know what to do with that. And and I just I just don't know that there's a, uh, I just don't know that. Do you, do you have a, a pattern or a rule for yourself when it comes to that? Or are you kind of messed up in it like I am? I mean, it's it's a it's a really difficult question because I think that human beings compartmentalize their lives anyway, and and it's 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 tough. In the case of Bill Cosby, he had an ongoing pathology that he was covering up for decades, right? And and and, and to me, you know, Kevin Kevin Spacey is a guy that that never really he he was not out publicly and. I'm sure that that was a lot of I don't think that Kevin Spacey necessarily is an evil guy, whereas I think what Bill Cosby did was a lot more evil. I mean, and premeditated. 
you know, when you when you're slipping, when you're planning to slip people drugs and then have your way with them, that's to me it's very disturbing. But a guy like Kevin Spacey who is never really out publicly and he I, he had a lot of pressure and for whatever reason, you know, he would get drunk at parties or be abusive or overstep uh, I see that as different kind of behavior. So I tend to try and I compartmentalize these things. And I, I also know that people like Bill Cosby, I can't, I can't look past the fact that he was an evil person. Like he was a, a bad guy. And even though, you know, he tried, I think he knew he was, and he compensated by doing as many good things as he could do for people. And I think he was probably tormented by by the by what he craved and what turned him on or whatever, as many people are. And and I think Bill Cosby is a tragic character ultimately, but that doesn't change the fact that he was gripped by an evil. And it really comes down to, I I I, I think at the end of the day, it's really I I struggle with this, John. I really do because. Like, I love certain Kevin Spacey. I love L.A. Confidential. And I love Kevin Spacey's character of Jack Vincennes. And when Dudley kills him, maybe that's his comeuppance. So I can never not watch L.A. Confidential. Uh, but I can't watch stuff that Bill Cosby does. Yeah, you know, it's weird. My all-time, all-time, no questions asked, favorite comedy concert of all time isn't Eddie Murphy Delirious, although that's amazing. Yeah. It isn't. A lot of these, my all-time favorite comedy concert, there is nothing that has ever made me laugh as hard. And it's like 35 years old. It's called Bill Cosby himself. It's just Bill Cosby on oh. stage with a microphone. It is the hands-down funniest comedy concert I have ever seen in my life. I even remember in this Seinfeld documentary, Seinfeld Jerry Seinfeld's in a comedy club and Chris Rock comes in. And Seinfeld's like, you know, what were you up to tonight? And Chris Rock is like, dude, I just came from a Cosby show. I just came from watching Cosby. He's performing over in New Jersey. I just went to go watch Cosby. And they, and then Seinfeld and Chris Rock just go off about how he is the greatest there's ever been and all this kind of stuff. And it comes down to that Bill Cosby himself. And I can't watch it. I tried to watch it again a while ago. It's like, ah, what, whatever. Like, this was a different time in my life. And I remember I got about five minutes into it and I couldn't watch it. And I, I can't, I, I'm not saying that's right. And I can't say I can even explain it, but it is a, a really weird thing. Anyway, we need we need to move on here. Uh, we just got time for one more here with Rob. And we're going to ask this one here. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Film writes. Hey, John, do you think Dune is still going to be a full theatrical movie? If so, do you think it will be delayed again? If not, uh, do you think Warner Brothers will be nice enough to give him a sequel anyway if it's successful on HBO Max or a decent box office. It's a huge question. Okay, here's so here's what I think will happen, Rob. But this is speculation. This is total speculation. But this so this is what I think will happen, but I don't know. I think it will get a full normal theatrical release. I think that's what that's going to come down to with Dune. Um and then we'll just have to see. Like, I do believe theaters, like, because when's the schedule to come, come out, Rob? D- November, December? I think October now. Is it October now? I think so. Mm, yeah, October should be okay, but it might it might get bumped again off of October. If so, probably not by much. If, if it's November, December, I, I think it's pretty safe. Oh, no. Uh, well, it was December 18th, 2020. I'm looking for a new release date. Uh, 
what does it say? Yeah, um, I, I thought I, I thought it was November. Octo- October first, twenty twenty. October first. Okay, that might be a little bit earlier. Like August may be okay, but it may not be. October could be okay. It might not be. It might get pumped again. I think right now, from everything that I've been hearing, is that they will have. They'll probably cave on Dune, and Dune will get its theatrical release. I think that's the type of pressure because the people who paid for that movie, Legendary, want that one as a full theatrical release. So I think that's what'll happen. Um, but again, it, this situation is so fluid, and it's changing so rapidly um, that it's hard to say. Rob, two weeks ago in California, we were hitting forty thousand new cases of coronavirus every day. Two weeks ago, I think yesterday we had eleven thousand new cases, which is well, eleven thousand too much. That's eleven thousand way too much. But it's seventy five percent less than what it was at. So I mean, so and then again, it, a week from now, Rob, it could be back up to forty or fifty thousand. I mean, we just don't know. The situation changes so rapidly, so quickly. It's so hard to predict what's going to happen seven months from now. But my guess is it does get its full theatrical release. Rob, what do you see as the future for Dune? What do you think is going to happen here? I, I I think it's going to get a full theatrical release. I think it's too important, but I I can see it getting delayed even again. Yeah, I, the I mean, delay could happen. You know, they used to make James Bond movies every two years and No Time to Die will end up coming out a year and a half after its original release date, which is crazy to me. Right. So I think <sighs> Dune, they, they want to have it have a theatrical release. All right. Well, Rob, I know we've kept you a little bit over time again here today, but thank you so much again for being here and, and being here most of the week. In the meantime, my friend, where can people follow you and your awesomeness online? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Robert Meyer Burnett. Follow me on Twitter at Burnett RM or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work, and my show, Observations. The show about something. Rob, about something. thanks a lot. And just, just, just quickly again, tell people where they can go and find a trailer and whatever for this project that you have been – I've been watching you work on this project for years and put so much blood, sweat, and tears into it. Uh, Tango Shalom. Tell people where they can go and find a trailer for it. Well, there is uh, the trailer. Tango Shalom is a movie that I produced, I edited, I post and VFX supervised, and it's beginning its festival run. We just won Best Comedy Film and Best Actor at the Montreal Independent Film Festival. And you can see it. It's going to be at the virtual San Diego Jewish Film Festival next week. And if you go to Tango Shalom, the movie on YouTube, you can watch the trailer. And it's, it's a delightful, fun family film. It's that a, you should all see. <laughs> it's a great trailer. It's a great trailer. So congratulations. On that. All right, Rob, thanks a lot for being here, man. We'll talk to you another time. Take it easy. Dude. All right, man. Thanks a lot. All right, everybody. That is the one and the only, the great Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. But we've still got some time here, guys. So let's keep firing through your live questions, shall we? The next one up comes to us from Mo Verse Mo Problems. I like that. Right. One of two. I think the best way they could bring in mutants into the MCU is to say there are already some mutants out there like Professor S. Magneto and Wolverine, but mutants are very rare. Something will happen that will start activating the X gene in more people. As to why nobody has heard about any mutants, maybe they're laying low or Professor X is actively hiding them with his ability. Your thoughts? Again, the whole Professor X is hiding them with his ability doesn't work. That doesn't work. But, but this is one thing Rob and I actually talked about once before. The part of what your theory is that could have some possibilities here is the fact that, okay, there have been mutants around for like the last 30 years, but there have been an incredibly small number of them. 
an incredibly, a very finite number of them, like less than 50 maybe in the world. Instead of hundreds or a couple of thousand, like literally 30 of them, right? That way you could say you could have the history of Charles and, and Eric going back and you could have their whole history and mythology. You could have a couple of key mutants. And then if we're only talking about 20, 30, 40 mutants in the world, okay, that becomes more believable about them being able to keep their, being able to keep their existence a secret. But then something happens that activates more widely the X gene in people and that that's possible. There are some problems that come along with that too, but in general, it is a decent theory. So we'll see where that goes. All right. Uh, thanks for saying that in Moverse. And I think you're, you're on the right path there. Uh, let's see. Sergeant Ward writes, I've been following AMC stock and see that they have dropped significantly. Does this mean that they're back in bankruptcy or are they still saved? I don't know much about stocks, so forgive me for this question. Nope, they're they're out of problems. You know why? Because just before the stock shot up, they sold another three hundred million. They got another three hundred dollars in influx of uh, capital, and then when the stock shot up, they were able to sell more shares at that higher stock price. So that money goes into their coffers. So even though the AMC stock price, I think I saw it drop back down to $7. Um, let me see here. AMC stock price right now, it's uh, continued to go down. It's at $6.70 right now. Uh, Ann and I sold ours at $17. So we were really, we bought a whole bunch of it when it was at $2, like six months ago. We bought a whole bunch of AMC stock at two bucks. And then as soon as we saw that it shot up, we sold it right away. Mm. But I think for the most part, nope, uh, AMC, that that momentary spike in their value allowed them to sell more class A shares. And uh, they basically, the way Yahoo Finance, remember, we re read that quote from Yahoo Finance and Yahoo Finance said in one and a half days, AMC was able to wipe out all of their 2020 losses. Think about that. According to Yahoo Finance that we, we showed on the show the other day, Yahoo Finance wrote that in one and a half days, AMC Theaters was able to wipe out all of their losses from 2020. That's huge. So yes, as of right now, AMC is still in a very good position. Even though the stock is dropping, they, they sold the stock already. So uh, there we go. There we go. All right, next up. Uh, Ryan Lohner writes, uh, just got my second vaccine, so you'll bet I'll be heading back to the theater soon. Good good on you, man. Uh, Godzilla versus Kong, here I come. Also, major shout out to my brother James, who's part of the team testing the vaccines. Oh, that's awesome. Seriously, these are the heroes in our society, man. Our first responders, our people on the front lines in the medical community, people trying to help people. These are our heroes. That is awesome. And I'll tell you what, man, I'd, I'd be like, I said to myself, even though, I guess I can take the headphones off now, um, even though... I went to um, the movie theaters twice. I went to go see Tenet in Orange County. And uh, I went to go see, um, what was it? New Mutants. I went to go see New Mutants in Las Vegas. Both times were terrific, very safe environments. Kudos to AMC theaters for how they conducted it. I felt far safer in those theaters uh, than I do in grocery stores right now. They did a great job. But when the super spikes started to hit 
um, started to hit, I was like, okay, I'm not going to the movie theaters anymore for a little while until we start to see this calm down a bit. But when I saw the Godzilla versus Kong trailer, I'm like, I think I'm going to have to drive to Vegas to go see it. Now, thankfully, we are seeing those spikes now dropping. So, yes. And hopefully by the time this movie comes out in March, it'll be even better. Fingers crossed. Don't know. But uh, I wasn't planning on driving to Las Vegas to go watch Godzilla versus Kong. But I think I'm going to have to drive. (laughs) I think I'm going to have to drive to Vegas to go see Godzilla versus Kong. We'll have to see. All right. Next up. Uh, Let's see. Deshaun writes. Uh, So I'm loving WandaVision as a whole, but something I'm loving more is what WandaVision represents for the future of the MCU. Uh, This show is proof that the MCU is willing to get weird and take chances, which makes me even more hyped for future projects. Here's what's even more exciting than that, Deshaun. Here's what's even more exciting than that. Yes, it is exciting that we are seeing the MCU, Kevin Feige, um, doing these radical things, trying things that's so unique and so different and doing all this stuff. And that is fabulous. But here's the even more exciting thing. The even more exciting thing right now is that it's working. Because it's one thing if Kevin Feige and the crew at Marvel decide they wanted to try this stuff and they want to try something really wild and really weird and really out there and something very unique But if people didn't like it and if it wasn't working and if it wasn't hitting, then it would be kind of meaningless. Then then they may back off from it and say, well, we can't do anything crazy again because we just did something kind of crazy and it failed. But what's happening? People are chatting WandaVision. People are talking about WandaVision. So not only is Kevin Feige and his team showing that they're willing to, you know, change things up, mix it up, experiment, try new things, do things that are unique. But now they're seeing that when they try unique things, the audience is responding. And that bodes, I think, very, very well. I think that bodes very well for us moving into the future of of them being willing to do some very traditional stuff and then trying completely wacky stuff. And some things will work and some things won't. That'll happen when we want them to try things that are different and new. Something we have to assume, some things will work, but some things won't. But seeing that WandaVision works, I think that's going to embolden them to take even more chances moving forward, and I'm looking forward to that. All right, thanks for that, Deshaun. All right, next up, an anonymous viewer writes, "Um, Hey, John, I've been watching since the first AMC Closet show. Thank you so much. Hi, Rob. You just missed Rob, unfortunately. How about the Red Skull? The Soul Stone is no longer in play, and who knows what powers he could now have? I mean, that's true. The question is, what happens to the Red Skull once, you know, he's not at least... depending on which timeline you're talking about. And this is where the questions get really weird. But when you go back to Infinity War, when Thanos took the Soul Stone, what's Red Skull doing now? Is he just hanging out? Is, like, is he there? Like, on... Uh, it's not Neva Delir. Uh, that was the world where... Uh, they they made the uh, they made the weapons. What was the Vol Volmir? Is that was the, what was the name of the planet that they anyway? The planet where Red Skull was. Is he just hanging out on that planet now? Say so it was Vol- Vormir. Okay, so uh, thanks for that, Paul. It was Vormir. Is he just sitting around on Twitter? Like, uh, man, the water was really wet today. LOL. Heart sign. You see some hot girl in there. Yo, sup? You know, I don't know. Is that what he's doing? Is that what Red Skull's doing? Could we see him again? Are 
whatever these supernatural powers he seemed to have there on Vormir, are they gone now because the Soul Stone's not there anymore? I don't know. Could he pop back up again? I would like to see him pop up again. Scott is pointing out in the live chat he's on Tinder. That's right. I mean, hey, Red Skull got to get some too, man. Red Skull's still a dude. I mean, he looked kind of freaky, but he's still a dude. He got to get some, right? Everybody needs to get some. I wonder what is the what is the Tinder equivalent on Vomir? It's probably not a very popular app. Probably not a lot of swiping left or right. You get maybe you get to swipe left like once. I don't know. Not a very heavily populated planet there in Vomir for Tinder. All right, let's move on here. Uh, next up, uh, Playmaker writes um, one of two. This is my theory about how mutants enter the MCU. At some point in time, a mutant causes a major disaster like Nitro in Civil War comics. Leads to world governments deciding to hunt mutants and either capture or kill them. Professor X uh, decides to wipe the minds of everyone on Earth to prevent a day of future past scenario. Something happens all of a sudden that brings mutants back to the attention of humanity. See, again, here's the problem with that. The, The whole theory of Professor X wiping everybody's minds. That's great. There are thousands of mutants out there. You don't think some teenage kid who just had his mutant X gene trigger, there's not somebody out there that catches it on phone and all of a sudden everybody in the world knows about it. Okay, so Charles then has to wipe the minds of the entire planet again. Okay, three minutes later in, I don't know, Bangladesh, some mutant kid accidentally turns a camel into a mountain by touching them a certain way. You don't think that's going to get caught? You don't think that's going to get talked about? Five minutes later, in southern China, another kid with a mutation. Now, you see, here's that's the problem, right? That's the problem. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. We will, we will have to see, but I just don't know that the whole Professor X, like, wiping all of humanity's memories is a valid device here because it's something he would literally have to repeat 40 to 400 times a day. Right? So, I mean, it's going to be, again, it's the problem. What's a good solution? I'm not even sure I have a good solution for it yet. All right. Thanks for that playmaker. Next up, uh, Kevin uh, Belicki writes, how come Wanda said you've taken everything from me to Thanos, but hasn't said a word to Tony. Tony created Ultron and he killed Pietro. Uh, granted, he also created Vision, but I find it weird that she's never been mad at Tony. Well, I mean, I think intention is a big part of it. Tony never intended for Ultron to happen. He never intended for those things to happen. Yeah, and he created Vision and he was part of the solution that stopped Ultron, but intention is a very important thing. Thanos intended to kill half the people in the universe. And in the process, killed Vision. Oh, by the way, caused Vision to be killed twice. Once forcing her to kill Vision herself, which is therapy for the rest of her life right there. She had to kill her love herself with her own power by making his head explode. She had to do that herself for the sake of the universe. Therapy for the rest of her life. That's already that. But then after having to do that unspeakable, horrific thing, Thanos undid it, which meant she went through that for nothing. And she had to witness 
him holding up her love by the throat and ripping his head out. Therapy. You know, on top of the other thing. That, I think, is a far cry from Tony screwed up, but he never he never meant to, right? And so I think that's there's a, there's a big, big key difference there. And so, um, but I don't know. Maybe if Tony had survived the endgame events, maybe there would have been a real conversation. But after she got snapped, after he put her in timeout, Tony had her grounded. Remember? Vision wasn't letting her out of the Avengers compound because Tony said not to. So I'm sure there's a conversation, but a blood debt? No, no, that was saved for Thanos. Maybe she's a little pissed. Maybe her and Tony would have had words. But a bloodlust, like, I am going to kill you. Like, that, I think that was kind of saved for uh, for Tony. But that that's just me. All right. Next up, Andy Hong writes, The CW renewed 12 of their shows for another season, and it really hurt to realize that Supernatural isn't among them. It's the first time in 15 years that that hasn't happened. Uh, That Supernatural isn't among them for the first time in over a decade. I also can't believe I'm saying this, but the latest Superman and Lois trailer looks really good. I yeah, I don't I don't care. I don't care how the Lois and the Superman trailer looks. I don't care. They have already shown that they have no idea how to handle Superman. The CW people have already shown me they have no eight a minute and thirty second trailer isn't gonna change all the way we saw them completely botch Superman. Now, that's not to say that maybe the show won't be great and maybe they'll fix all those problems. And hey, I hope they do. But I'll wait for you guys to tell me that the new Superman show is really great. But I'm sure I don't care how good you make a trailer. You've already shown me you have no idea how to handle Superman. You've already shown me you don't have the respect for the character of Superman. You've already shown me that you don't have the proper sense of honor that it is to work on a character like Superman and how you treat a character like Superman. You've already shown over the course of years that you have no respect for that character. One trailer ain't doesn't change that. Not for me. But again, maybe it'll turn out to be like the best show of all time. Maybe it'll be absolutely incredible. And, and I hope it is. I hope it is. But I don't believe it. And I don't trust them until I see the proof. Until you guys start writing to me after four or five episodes and say to me, hey, John, this show is actually really good. They fixed it. Then maybe I'll give it a shot. But I'm going to I'm going to need you. I'm going to take your word for it, guys. I ain't going to take their their corporate trailer making machines word for it. I will take your word for it. So I will wait for you guys to tell me whether or not they got it right, because so far they have just crapped on it altogether. All right. uh, Next up, uh, we've got Miguel Zayan writes. Hey, John, the Chloe Zhao Dracula news makes me excited, not only for Eternals, but also for her future projects. She did a brilliant job with Nomadland uh, by making it kind of like a doc. Have you seen it? I finally did get around to seeing it. It wasn't easy. Uh, I'm surprised she's doing Dracula out of all things. Thank you. But real, not really, right? Because I think there's two reasons not to be surprised by her doing Dracula. Number one is because, like we said earlier, when you look at Nomadland and you look at Eternals, even though we haven't seen Eternals yet, but we know these are two totally different types of movies, right? Like radically different types of movies. The fact that she would then pick another thing that's a total departure from any of that shouldn't surprise us, right? Shouldn't surprise us. Also, even though it did wasn't a billion-dollar film, let's look at what Invisible Man did 
they made Invisible Man for the cost of a Happy Meal that you buy at McDonald's. And it made millions of dollars and people really liked it. They, I cannot, I think honestly, all, all joking aside, what did they spend on it? They spent like $8 million to make the Invisible Man. We were just talking about Men in Black. They spent $110 million making that. To make the Invisible Man, they spent $8 million. And they just focused on, let's just make a great little movie here. And they did. And I think for a director like Chloe Zhao, it could be, you know what? I want to follow that up. Now, I want to follow that up. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But, I mean, this this girl, her she is, to call it a meteoric rise is, is an understatement. Now, let's see if Eternal ends up, we already know Nomadland's amazing, but let's see if Eternal's turns out any good. But if it is, I mean, she's, she's like one of the hottest names in directing right now. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. All right, next up. We got uh, D. Nilla writes, Hey, John, to add to the conversation, the MCU has been attacked by Loki and have the Accords also, Wanda coming out to the world. They also have Captain America in high school gym videos. Same universe also has a Hulk. Why wouldn't they explain the Thanos snap? I completely agree. I completely agree. Yeah, I mean, it's not like the world wasn't aware of alien presences, right? We had a massive alien invasion in New York with all the Chitauri rushing down and, you know, Loki doing his thing and alien monsters are, you know, killing people and all that kind of stuff. They've already seen it. They know about Thor from Asgard. They know there's alien races and they're in this thing. But again, as a couple of other people pointed out, D, uh, that were excellent, excellent examples. Uh, number one, um, Captain America himself mentions Thanos in the beginning of Endgame in a support group. And then number two, uh, people pointing out the name of that movie that was on the flight in Spider-Man Far From Home was The Snap. I mean, so yeah, that's already pretty, pretty much been confirmed, but everything you just said there, D, absolutely 100%. All right, next up, B. Wayne New York writes, John slash Rob, who's not here anymore, uh, like you, I've never been a big fan of DC Marvel animated movies, but a few friends told me about a new one, Batman Soul of the Dragon. It's really good, set in the 70s with 007 style story, music and action voiced by real martial arts movie stars. I Yeah, I. there are exceptions. There are some exceptions, but generally speaking, I am not a fan of Marvel or DC animated stuff. There are exceptions. Uh, the Dark Knight Returns, is an exception. The Doctor Strange animated movie, I think that was an exception. Uh, and there are a couple. I mean, then you go all the way back to Batman Mask of the Phantasm. I, I really like that one. But for the most part, all the rest of them, I found childish, drivelish crap. Most of it is just both DC and Marvel, childish, drivelish crap. But I saw the trailer for this Soul of the Dragon one. I saw the trailer for it. And I remember thinking... Um, that it didn't look very good. I thought it was like very unique, a really cool idea, but it just, I don't know. I looked at it and I think, I didn't think it looked very good at all. So you're the first person, B. Wayne, I've heard talking about it. I haven't heard anybody say anything good or bad about it yet. You're the first person I've heard talk about it. But I just remember I saw the trailer and I thought this just looks odd. But maybe if I hear from a few more people, I'll have to go and check it out myself. Thanks for throwing in the recommendation. Like I said, you're the first one to give me a recommendation on, man. I appreciate that. All right. 
Last question of the day, guys, comes to us from uh, MCU Simpu writes and Graham uh, Vowell writes, um, uh, just sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you for that, Graham. Writes, hey, John, Miss Marvel is coming to Disney+. Plus. Uh, yes, she is. She's inhuman, and we have seen and we haven't seen one yet in the MCU proper. Remember, there's nothing that says she's inhuman in the MCU. Just keep that in mind. Uh, do you think they will mention her being inhuman or change her to be a mutant or something else so fans don't get confused with the terrible ABC show? I don't think they're going to call her. Now, I don't know this. This is not any insider information, all right? No insider information here. I don't think they're going to refer to her as inhuman. As a matter of fact, I don't think they're ever going to mention inhumans again. Oh my God, that series was so bad. Oh my God, that series was so bad. I mean, I will trash on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a bunch, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was freaking breaking bad compared to the Inhuman show. I wanted to like that. I still remember, true story, They, when they were launching the Inhuman show, they did a special theatrical. Remember this? They showed the first two episodes. You could go watch the first two episodes early in theaters. You guys remember that? And so I got my little excited Canadian butt. I I ran down to the AMC Burbank 16, which is like a 10 minute walk up the road. I'm like, I'm going to go watch Inhumans. Oh my God, this is going to be so great. And the dog looks so cute in the trailers and commercials. This is going to be wonderful. Yay. Fuck me. That thing sucked. Oh my God, it was so bad. And then, um, and then my wife and Corey, Corey was over the other night and uh, my wife and I were sitting down and I don't know why and I don't know how, but the um, the topic of Inhumans came up. I can't remember what brought it along. I said, I'll tell you what, let's just watch the season finale, that, which ended up being the series finale. Let's just pop, let's just pop on the show's finale. How about that? I remember because Anne and Corey saying, oh, they just remember because Anne and Corey love dogs. Like Anne practically cries whenever she sees a dog. She's a massive, massive dog person. And so is Corey. And so I'm like, all right, let's just put this on. And we put on the, the finale and they're like, how did this even get made? I'm like, I know, right? Right? I mean, it's so awful. So again, I have no insider information that says they're never going to mention Inhumans again. I don't know that for a fact. I'm just saying my speculation is I don't think they will ever uh, they will ever mention it again. I don't think they will ever mention Inhumans again. I, I just I just don't see it happening. But they might. They might again. I'm not saying I know. I don't know. They they very well could. I don't know. All right, guys, listen. For everybody else from uh, Cam K, Glenn Tracy, uh, Tim Platt, and on, uh, you will get. We will get to your questions uh, tomorrow. We will do, a, or at least this weekend, we will do a companion video this weekend to get caught up on on get your guys' questions asked, and whichever ones we don't get asked, we will pick up with on Monday's John Campia show. But that will do it for me for now, guys. For this episode of the John Campia show, we've run out of time. Time flies when you're having fun. Uh, don't forget, guys. A little bit later today at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, uh, my wife Ann and I will be doing our weekly WandaVision open spoiler discussion video. That's going to start at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's 7 p.m. New York time. You can figure out whatever your time zone is. Please come on over and join us for that. 
It's going to be a lot of fun. Ann and I are actually thinking we're just going to order dinner and eat dinner as we're doing the spoiler discussion because we got a feeling it's probably going to be a little bit of a long one. But please come along and join us for that. In the meantime, guys, thank you so much for being here. Thanks to Robert for spending his time here with all of us as well. Thank you to all of you for taking time out of your day, precious important hours out of your day, coming to hang out with us here in the community. Thank you guys for that honor. Special thank you to all of you guys who sent in these live questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved here at the John Campion Show, thank you guys very, very much for your support. Okay, guys, do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves. Please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me for now, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia, And until next time, my friends, bye-bye. <laughs>